Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome to LifePoint. Thrilled, thrilled to have you. And I hope uh, as you just worshiped uh, through song that, man, you poured that out from your soul that, God, I am standing in your love. Uh, There's a lot going on right now. and so we need to be focused and centered on, on the love God for, has for us and, and the love we have for him. So I, I just hope as you sing songs, it's not just singing, it's worshiping and, and pouring your soul to him. Uh, you know, we're in this series called Now and Later. And the question we've been asking is, based on the decisions, choices, and actions, and even goals that you are making right now, who will you be? What will the trajectory of that be a year from now or even five years from now? But the bigger question, the more important question is, who do you want to be a year from now, five years from now? Well, there's a Chinese proverb that <clears throat> excuse me, says this, even a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And that's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because depending on which direction you're facing, which steps you're taking, that's either a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Because if you're stepping in the wrong direction now, you could easily end up a thousand miles away from where you really want to be later. You and I, both of us, all of us, we get to where we want to be and we get to where we don't want to be the exact same way. One step at a time, one day at a time, one decision at a time, one choice at a time, one step at a time. And that's really what we want to talk about today. Something small, one step, one choice, one decision, one habit, doing that now and then adding up over time that will eventually get you to where you want to be later. Now we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 7 and Exodus 23. Both passages are going to say the same thing, but Exodus is actually going to give us a little extra detail that we don't get in Deuteronomy 7. Excuse me, I'm just choking all over the place. Okay, so, so here's how we set it up. The the Israelites, they're about to enter into the promised land. They're about to enter into all that God has for them, all these promises that God has for them. And that's really the heart behind this entire series that we're in. We're, We're discovering and figuring out and trying to know all that God has for us and all that God has for you, and even specifically through a relationship with Jesus, because Jesus will make your life better, and he will make you better at life. So the Israelites, they're about to enter into this better life. And God's going to give them this sort of a pep talk because practically speaking, better doesn't mean easy. In fact, better, it means that there's going to be this journey over this next few years, and it's going to even be challenging and even difficult. But ultimately, it will be better for them. See, God wanted them to understand. He wanted them to understand it's not easy to be who you want to become. It's not easy to be who you want to become, who God's calling you to be. It's easy to stay with your problems. It's easy to stay with your temper. It's easy to stay with your unhealthy habits. It's easy to stay lazy. It's easy to stay argumentative and to be a gossiper and self-righteous. That's all the easiest thing in the world. 
But God wanted them to understand, as he does us, as we saw a few weeks ago, that when we're weak and when we're going through our difficulties that they will be going through, when we don't have enough strength, and we're talking about this idea of changing, so even when we don't have enough strength to change, and God is with us, we saw that he will give us his power. And he will give them his power. And in fact, in that weakness, when we are weak, that's when we're actually strong. And that's when he transforms us into who he wants us to be and really who we want to be in him. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we dive into Deuteronomy chapter 7. Here's what God says to them in verse 17. He says, perhaps you will think to yourselves, again, this is this pep talk to the Israelites going in the promised land. Perhaps you will think to yourself, How can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? The the, the obstacles are huge in front of us. But don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. God's telling them, don't look to your limitations. Don't look to the opposition. Instead, look to the Lord. He says, remember all that the Lord has done for you. Don't focus on the powerful opposition. Focus on the powerful God. And that's why anytime, and I mean anytime that you're going through something difficult in the present, in the here and now, right now, remind yourself of God's faithfulness in the past. If you're going through something challenging right now in the present, Remind yourself of how God's been faithful in the past. It's why David talked about the bear and the lion that he had killed when he went up against the Goliath. He was reminding himself that God was with him and that God helped him and protected him and worked through him and and saved him, really. Whenever you face something difficult today, just remember how God has been faithful in the past. And then it says this, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21. It says, do not be afraid. Say the word afraid. Don't be afraid of of your goals, of what's coming, of who you want to be. Don't be afraid of these nations, for the Lord your God is among you. And he is a great and awesome God. And look at this. And the Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you, little by little. That's a key phrase there, little by little. And you will be a, not be able to, now this kind of gets a little weird here, but listen. You will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals, and this is what I want you to catch, otherwise the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. But the Lord your God will hand them over to you. He will throw them into complete confusion until they are destroyed. God told them, you will take the land, but it's going to happen. What was the phrase? Little by little. Say that phrase. Say little by little. You think uh, um, it, it, you want it to actually happen quickly, right? I mean, I mean, no one probably wanted to hear that speech little by little. They wanted to hear, hey, we're going to take it all at once, and God's going to give us complete and total victory all at once. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 20 goes on and says this, God will send the hornet among them. Now, I got to tell you, I have no clue what that means. And biblical commentators don't have any clue either. But whatever it was, whatever it was for them, as they were going up something bigger, uh, going up against this bigger than they were armies, um, as they were going against that, God said, I'm going to send a hornet or the hornets among you, ahead of you. Some translations say God will send fear or terror ahead of you. And as a result of that, What happens? God is giving them deliverance, but it's not happening all at once. 
It's going to happen incrementally. So that's the story in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now let's jump over to Exodus chapter 23. And we're going to pick it up here in verse 29. It gives us an extra detail. I won't read the whole passage, but just pick it up. It says, I will not drive them out in a single year. I kind of already told us that. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Here we go, verse 30. Little by little, there it is. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. Here's the extra detail. Until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. See, God was saying in these passages, trust me, trust me. I got all the power in the universe, and if you doubt it, just remember how great and awesome I was, and I delivered you from Egypt and slavery and all the miracles that I did there. But also know that this power that I have, I will not use it all at once. I'm going to meter meter it out. I'm going to give a little bit at a time until your population has increased enough so that you can take full possession of the land. Now, there's two reasons for that, why God chose to do that. First, if God had given them all of his power and if he had defeated the enemy all at once, why would they need to keep trusting God anymore? I mean, if that happened, why would they ever have to pray again? Think about this. Why would you ever have to pray again if you prayed for something today and God just gave you everything for the entire year? Why does God lead us one step at a time? Why does God give us one days of strength at a time? Why does God say we should, why did Jesus say, uh, and in Matthew chapter six, give us this year our yearly bread, right? He didn't say that, did he? What did he say? Give us this what? Give us this day, say day. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because God is inviting us to keep our walk with him here and now in the present tense, that we trust him today. We don't bank on how we trusted him in the past. We we bank on trusting him every day, that we believe in him every day, that we surrender to him every day. He is the one who provides for our daily needs, but he will not provide a moment sooner or a moment later. He'll provide at just the right time in the present, in the here and now. But there's a second reason that God doesn't drive out all the Israelites' enemies at once. Why? What does the scripture say? It says, because if I drove them all out right now, you as as a group of people, as a nation, you're not numerous enough to populate all these places. You aren't ready for that. You see, I don't want you, he's telling them, I don't want you to be able to bite off more than you can chew or more than you can swallow. That's unproductive, and, and frankly, it's unsustaining, and it's dangerous. Now, I know all too well this whole idea of eating more than you can chew and swallow. There was one time I was, I was home alone, the family was gone, and And I had just picked up Chipotle, so it was a little later at night, and I came home, and I was sitting on my recliner ready to watch a show and and, and dive in to the meal. Well, I wasn't eating and chewing slowly, and the next thing you know, I can hardly breathe. The rice got, got kind of stuck in my throat. Now, the sad part about this is this happens to me from time to time, and, and my family kind of laughs at me, and I got to stand up and get, take some water and push it through, and I'm like, oh, oh, I can hardly breathe, and, 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 and we've joked around, this is going to kill me one day. And, and so, uh, so I'm there all alone, and this is the worst one that's ever happened. And I got to tell you, I was scared. I mean, I really was. I thought, oh my gosh, 
I'm going to die alone right here, right now. No one's here and no one's going to be able to help me. And, and I could hardly breathe and it's stuck there and I'm drinking some water trying to push it through. But then I'm afraid to drink anymore because I'm like, what if I push it even deeper and it, like, then I can't breathe at all. I can barely breathe, but at least I can breathe now. So I'm like, I gotta do, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I run to the safe and I grab the, you know, the, the life insurance policy to put it on the counter for Heather and open the safe so she can get everything. No, I didn't do that. But uh, I, I was scared to death. So I went out the front door, I went to my neighbor's house, knocked on the door, I mean, this was late, and, and finally he came, and, and I'm like, Ronnie, man, I, I can hardly breathe, I, I, I can, I, I'm scared right now, can you give me a Heimlich? And so he gives me the Heimlich, and it's kind of working, kind of not, and I'm trying to drink a little more, and then I do the, the finger thing, which I've never done before, that was crazy in that whole process, but somehow, some way, everything eventually came out, and, and, I, figured, and I made it through and, and survived, as you know, because I'm standing right here this morning. Well, that incident scared me straight, finally. Now, I take smaller bites. I chew my food longer, to which many of you are saying, duh, pastor, that's like eating 101, right? I mean, that's, that's duh. God won't let them bite off more than they can chew. He, they will end up choking on their abundance, Listen, there's blessing for you and for I and for the Israelites in the future, but he said, you're not numerous enough to handle it all right now. In fact, God told him, if I give you everything right now all at once, then the, he said the wild beasts, you know, the grizzlies, the lions, tigers, bears, and all oh my, they'd become too numerous, and then they'd be even a bigger problem than the people who were there before them, which I don't have time to kind of like go down that trail, but my mind was thinking, oh my gosh, what does that actually mean? And can you imagine? But, but we, we won't go there this morning. God is teaching them. And God is teaching us that he wants us to be able to, to, to maintain whatever we have obtained. We, God says, I won't give it to you before you are ready because I want you to maintain to keep what you've already obtained. I will give it to you at just the right time. So trust me each step of the way. And I think the words that God spoke to them really apply to us as we look into our future, as we think about who we are now, but who we want to be later. And the words are from both of these passages, Deuteronomy 7 and Exodus 23. And the words are little by little. Again, let's say it again. Say little by little, little by little. Let's say it another way. Victory in our lives, success in our lives isn't one you know, giant event and then all of a sudden we have arrived in vic victory in our lives, success in our life is something small continually repeated. Victory is something small that is continually repeated. See, they just had to keep going and going and going little by little. Each skirmish, each battle, Take this hill, take this city, take this fortified embankment, take this territory. And if you read through the book of Joshua, you see it took them uh, seven years plus even the mop up after that. It wasn't one large battle for them. It was small little steps, small little victories. Smaller is better. Say that, say smaller is better. Smaller continually repeated again and again and again. Stephen Guys wrote a, a, a small book, 100-page book, that um, is called Mini Habits. And he said the key, to the key is this. He said the key is to make our habits too small to fail. 
Little by little, that's sustainable. Smaller is better. Make, our ha- make them, our habits, too small to fail. For most of us, we just take huge steps. In other words, we, we have huge goals, we have large goals, and the reality is there's no way we can possibly sustain those for a month, six months, a year, or better yet, five years. Guys says the solution is to make your goals, your choices, your decisions stupidly small. And he said he had an epiphany on this one day when he, or multiple days actually, he would try to get up the, the, the motivation to get his you know, butt off the couch and go to the gym and work out for even just 30 minutes. And he just he couldn't get himself around to doing it. And so finally he came up with this idea and he said, you know what I'm gonna do instead of going to the gym, I'm just gonna get on the ground and just do one push-up. We kind of mentioned that one push-up idea a few weeks ago. But I'm just gonna do one push-up. And guys said, man, I actually felt better. I don't know how, I don't know why, one lousy push-up, but I felt better. To which you and I say, no, 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 I gotta do 100 push-ups for it to mean anything. No, 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 if this is gonna count, I gotta, I gotta walk 15,000 steps. Here's the problem. It is too easy to talk ourselves out of that. But if you say, like Guy said, I'll do one push-up, that is so stupidly small, using his term, that it, you're almost embarrassed not to do it. I, this week, I was randomly watching Denzel Washington on YouTube the other day. He was given a commencement uh, address at Dillard University, I don't know how many years ago. But here's one of the things he said that caught my attention as we're thinking about this message. He said this, he said, uh, put your slippers deep under the bed at night. And while you're down there at night and then in the morning when you go uh, to have to reach down to pick them up, he said, while you're down there, say a prayer. Say a prayer. Or in this illustration, while you're down there on the ground, go ahead and do a push-up as you get your slippers out. Or maybe when you go down to tie your shoe, while you're down there, just go ahead and drop your knees and do one push-up. And here's how our brain works. We think to ourselves, you do that one push-up, we think to ourselves, wow, I met my goal for the day. And that actually, you don't realize it, we don't realize it, it has a powerful effect on us when we meet our goals for our day. Think about it. How many times do you look at your checklist and you haven't accomplished it and how do you feel? What about those times when you got everything on the checklist? You feel good. It creates motivation or as we said last week, it creates momentum and that is progress. When you start doing your, your small actions, your small decisions and choices, Newton's law kicks in. You remember that at last week? What, what is Newton's law? An object at rest stays at rest. But once you get in motion, it's easier to stay in motion than to stop. And so more often than not, now that you've already met your goal, and now you've been on the ground and you did one push-up, the next thing you know, you try another one. You just end up trying that. And then you feel even better. Why? Because you did more than what your goal was. So guys says, shrink your goals. Shrink your goals. And I love this one. I love this one. He said, make it your goal to floss one tooth a day. No, he really didn't. And I thought that was so cool. Make it your goal to do that one tooth a day. And so I was thinking about that. Like, man, he's like, okay, grab your floss, right? And, and put it in there and floss one tooth a day. While I'm in there, I might as well oh, do that guy. 
I'll do that guy. I'll do that guy. Okay, I can even stop. You know what? I just did four of my tooth, teeth, tooth, teeth, four of my teeth. And I surpassed my goal and I blew past my goal. See how that motivation, I was like, oh, I'm already in there. I'll do another one. You keep going. It ends up being a bonus. He says, don't commit to reading 30 minutes a day. Just say you're going to read two pages a day. But here's what will happen. You'll want to finish that sentence that didn't finish at the bottom of the page, or you'll want to finish that paragraph that went into the other page. Or uh, sometimes you might say, I want to finish this chapter that I'm in right now. So you flip the page. Next thing you know, you're reading more pages a day than you plan. You don't have, maybe not every day, but how does that happen? Because you set your goals so stupidly small, as he says. This idea of stupidly small, or as Deuteronomy 7 and Exodus 23 says, little by little, listen, it's all over the Bible. For example, one example, I'll just give you one example. Matthew chapter 13, what did Jesus say? He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Check out this verse. Though it is the what? What does it say? Though it is the smallest, say smallest. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet it, notice the word, that it grows, there's progress, yet it grows. It is the, notice the word, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. Something little, something stupidly small, something too small to fail. It becomes something great. It grows. Here's the issue for so many of us. We hear what we're talking about today, what God's saying to us today. We hear this message. We hear the last couple weeks of messages. We hear this idea, you know, even again, and I'm bringing it up again because it's a great illustration to remind us. We think of this idea of doing one push-up, and we think to ourselves, there's no way that's going to help me. That doesn't help me in any way, so what do we say? So what's the point? We hear, hey, just take a five-minute walk, or we hear, just read one verse in the Bible or, or one chapter, or we hear, hey, pray one sentence to God and to do it consistently. We hear that, and we think, it doesn't do any good. It's too small. It doesn't help. That doesn't really matter. You have your own version of that, and that's why you never start. And that's why you never move forward in this. You think it's too small. It's too insignificant. It doesn't matter. Well, I want to tell you, the Bible speaks to that. And Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Who is God? He says, who dares despise the day of small things? How dare we despise small things? One translate, many translations say, how dare we despise small beginnings? God said, Little by little, little by little to the Israelites, you'll conquer the land so that one day you'll possess it all, but keep persisting in the small things. The problem is you and I, we want instant gratification, we want instant success, and we want huge progress. But trust the process. Do not despise the small things or the small beginnings. Don't despise it now or you'll never become who you want to be later. Now, Here's the thing, and we've been asking this question. What will your goal, action, or step, or, or, or habit be that you're going to go after little by little? What is that for you? What is your 
to use his term, stupidly small goal, stupidly small habit that you'll go after little by little so you can become who you want to be. As you've been thinking about that and praying about that, and I hope you really have been, and maybe for some of you there's a couple of them and that's okay, I want to give you a couple tips the rest of the, uh, this message that are going to help you be successful now so that you can be who you want to be later. So these are tips to help you in that stupidly small goal that you pursue little by little. First of all, number one, you got to choose it carefully. You got to choose the, the goal or the habit or the steps carefully because different goals, habits, and steps have the ability to transform our lives in different levels or different capacities. Charles Duhigg, in his book, The Power of Habit, he refers to this, and we talked about this last year, as keystone habits. And he says there are keystone habits. There's parts of our areas of our life that if we change those, they'll have a cascading effect into other areas of our life. Well, what are keystone habits? Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but just uh, incidentally, flossing happens to be one of them, believe it or not. Making your bed is actually a keystone habit, and there's a direct correlation with debt. I don't have time to get into all that. Of course, physical fitness is actually a keystone habit. But what about spiritual keystone habits? What about our spiritual fitness? Well, without a doubt, and I don't have time to go in the depths of this, but without a doubt, tithing or giving faithfully to God consistently is a spiritual discipline that affects far more than our money and goes far beyond our finances as you and I make a decision, as we make this decision that we are going to put God's kingdom and God's righteousness first above our own, that we are going to orient our hearts towards heaven first. It is the critical keystone habit, spiritually, that orients your heart towards Jesus and your walk towards Jesus. Why is that? Well, let me tell you. Because money's actually the easiest test to truly find out if our heart is choosing God's will and God's way over our own way. See, you and I, every other aspect of our faith, we can fool ourselves. Think about it. You can. You can read the Bible but not be paying attention and just go through the motion. You can pray, but your heart's not really there and trusting and and, and believing in God. You can show up to church and and do the outwards. You can uh, look like you have everything together, but inside, like, you know, maybe like the Pharisees are full of dead person's bones. And and so we we could have the appearance like things are going well. And we can know if we're fooling ourselves, and God knows. But tithing's a keystone habit, giving faithfully, regularly, consistently. Because Jesus made it clear, that's evidence that you're seeking his kingdom first. So whatever it is, choose your habits. And there's so many other habits and goals that are important spiritually. Choose your goals carefully. Not all are created equal. Second, after you choose your carefully, spell it out specifically. Make a concrete plan. Be clear about the goal or the habit. Don't use, you ready for this? Don't use fuzzy language. See, fuzzy language is, I'm going to eat better. Okay, what, what, that, what does that mean? I mean, that, that, that's fuzzy lines. What will you eat and what will you not eat? Be specific. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible more. That's fuzzy. How often? How much? When specifically? Be specific. I'm going to be more positive. No, 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 that's fuzzy. What does that really look like? It looks like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm three times a day, and every time it goes off, I am going to pause, and I'm going to praise God for some attribute of him or something he's given me today or something that I'm thankful for. You, you be specific in it. Memorize more scripture this year. What is that? That's fuzzy, isn't it? 
You know, we made a goal as a family uh, to have a family night every Wednesday, and that's a specific goal. And then we said we want to memorize a verse of Scripture. Each of us can do our own verse. We're going to memorize a verse every Wednesday, and we're going to share it together. That's specific. That's not just saying I want to memorize more. Choose your habits carefully. Spell them out specifically. And then track it diligently. Track it diligently. As the authors of the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution say, it's not just keeping score. Excuse me. If you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. Keeping score is what causes things to be interesting. It's what keeps you interested in the changes that you want. So keep score. Fitbit, Strava, Apple, Nike, version Bible app, they've all figured this out. So write things down. It'll open your eyes. If you write down, you know, when you work out, when you have a quiet time, when you read your Bible, it actually causes you to keep score. And when you keep score, you're going to be interested longer. It's absolutely life-changing to keep track of the small incremental steps that will add up over time in your life. Now, once you've done all that, Then you guard it aggressively. What we're guarding is uninterrupted days linked together. We'll call it the Seinfeld method. Seinfeld, when he was a a young uh, comedian and thinking, how am I ever going to put enough jokes together to do a a bit or to do a small show or to do a big show? How's that ever going to happen? So he came up with this idea, something stupidly small. He said, I'm going to write one, my goal is to write one joke a day. And what he did is he took a giant calendar, put it on his wall, and he took a Sharpie. And and, and every Every time he wrote a joke that day, he would put a big X through the day. And his goal was to write one every day. And eventually, through doing that, stupidly small, just one joke a day, putting an X to track it, once he did that, eventually he was able to do little bits and routines and eventually shows and multiple shows. His goal was to string as many of those days together in a row where he actually followed through because that was a you get this built-in motivation not to break the streak. Now, of course, we're going to miss days, and of course, he missed days. No problem. No problem. It happens. Just guard it aggressively and try to never skip twice. The author of the book, Superhuman by Habit, calls missing twice habit suicide. Because now, when that happens, now you become an object at rest again. And what happens? When that happens again, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of momentum and it, to get over the inertia and to get going again. The author says, make your habits relatively easy, but never miss doing them. How did God say it? Same thing, little by little, little by little. And for the Israelites, little by little was sustained over seven years so that little by little eventually became a lot and they conquered the land. Listen, God wants this for I want this for you. God wants this for you. So let's make little decisions and steps and choices now so that we can become who we want to be later. So choose carefully, spell it out, track it, guard it. And then you can really be all that you want to be. So I ask you again, what small step or steps, stupidly small, do you need to take? We're going to pray about that. And if you've been praying about that through this series, great. Let's keep going on it. If you haven't, if you've just kind of been hearing it, but join me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
your words just, they kind of haunt me. Do not despise the small things. Do not despise the small beginnings. God, I think that's our danger. And I think that's what we get wrapped up in. But God, I hope today you've released every single person who's listening, watching. God, that every single one of us can learn from you what you've taught us and learn from the Israelites. It's okay, little by little, little by little. It's okay, stupidly small, it's okay. So I want you right now, talk to the Lord. What is it for you that you wanna tell him, God, give me the strength to take this small step and to do it consistently. I'm gonna track it and I'm gonna guard it and I'm gonna watch over it. Talk to him about it. Jesus, hear these prayers. Hear each of these prayers. God, we want to go where you want us to go. We want to be who you want us to be. Give us the strength to do that, to become all that you have for us. We ask for this. We pray for this in Jesus' name. And may Jesus be glorified. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.